Take your Bible, if you would, and join me tonight in John chapter 16. John chapter number 16. A couple weeks ago, we began, actually uh, several weeks ago, we began um, a Sunday night mini-series regarding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we've done a couple messages that have been focusing our attention on his person and his work. And tonight we're going to continue that work. We looked recently at the comforting work of the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to look at the convincing, convincing work of the Holy Spirit. Now at times um, we may have used phrases like this. Maybe you've said, um, well, you're going to have to prove that to me. Um, you've had somebody tell you something and you said, well, okay, that sounds great, but you're going to have to prove it to me. Uh, sometimes we would say something like this. We might say, um, well, um, I don't know if I believe you, but if so-and-so will attest to, then I will give it some credibility. It's, it's just this matter of who are we going to believe. One of the works of God the Holy Spirit is this convincing work. So that he's removing the question mark. He is giving some sense of affirmation like this is exactly what it is being presented to be. The convincing work of the Holy Spirit. Now your Bibles are open right now to John chapter 16. Look at how this is presented in this passage. Again, Jesus readying his followers, his disciples for his departure. They don't want him to leave. He gave them a comforting word. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you another that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now we get to John 16, and Jesus again revisits this person and work of God the Holy Spirit. John 16, beginning in verse number 8. Now notice what he says about the one coming. And when he is come... He's going to come in a new fashion. He's going to come with a new focus, a new ministry. And when he is come, he will reprove. Now now take this this word and just break it apart a little bit. Where would you normally put the dash, the hyphen? You, You would put that just after re. What he's going to do is he's going to again affirm those things that are already true. When he has come, he's going to re prove prove once again well what is it that he's going to prove and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged okay so we've already started this um this inquiry into the word reprove, reprove. So you say, what what does that word really mean? Well, we can get it when we just break the word apart, but if we wanted to dig down a little bit deeper, the word literally means to convince of, to remove any doubt so that I am absolutely certain that what is being presented is in fact the truth. Uh, Jesus uses the word He's being uh, continually questioned by the Pharisees. So they keep coming. They're they're trying to um, reduce the credibility of his ministry. In fact, earlier in this passage, we won't take time to look at it, but earlier in the passage we're going to quote, they said, your testimony is no good. 
because you're using yourself as your own testimony. Well, think about who it is that's speaking and what higher level of legitimacy could there be than the word of Jesus, the living word. He refutes that and then he says this, John chapter eight, verse 46, he says, which of you convinceth me of sin? Who of you, he's speaking to his detractors, who of you can reprove? Who here, he's saying, can convince that I am a sinner? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? There's nothing that I have said that you can convince is not accurate. And if I'm saying the truth, now this, the ball, so to speak, is in your core. Why won't you believe me? The word carries, this word convinceth, this word reprove. It carries not the, only the idea of making a claim, but also convicting by proof. So it's not just a claim. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this claim and you need to believe it. He not only does this, the Holy Spirit not only says, okay, here's the claim. He's going to follow this up. He's going to come behind with what we might use as a scriptural phrase with many infallible proofs. The Holy Spirit is coming to say, listen, what I'm going to present, what I'm going to convince you of is it, it is infallible proof. Okay, so how does this convincing take place? Well, the first thing that we're going to notice is we'll use our word again, that Bible word, the reproving work of the Holy Spirit. The reproving work of the Holy Spirit. All right, now, if you're a Christian, you already know about this reproving or what we might say this convicting work of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you already know exactly what I am referencing. Now, it's going to go beyond Christianity. It is a worldwide reproving. But, but because it's us here tonight, if you know Jesus Christ personally, who here hasn't already been convinced of something by the Holy Spirit? Hey, don't raise your hand. But how many of you have ever had like your own little mental argument with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever had this like, um, has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you, convinced you, reproved you of something, and then you tried to convince the Holy Spirit that it's no big deal? Or how about something like, oh, that happened so long ago? Or come on, man, everybody does that. Well, let me ask a follow-up question. Not only who here has ever had a, an argument with the Holy Spirit, let me ask the follow-up question, who here has ever convinced the Holy Spirit that you're right? Because I have not, okay? Now, I might ignore him. I might try to grow my ears dull to his reproving. But I can tell you, I have never won that argument, and, and it's not a good argument to try to win. His ministry, certainly, there is something that you and I understand regarding like, oh, ouch, I need to get that resolved. I need to get that taken care of. But he also, as we mentioned a moment ago, he has this worldwide work of reproving this reproving work of the Holy Spirit. His ministry is to bring the lost. Now, please note this, and I'm not trying to split hairs on this, but the Holy Spirit is trying to bring the lost to Jesus Christ. You say, well, well what are you saying you're, you're not trying to split hairs over? 
The Holy Spirit is not trying to bring people to himself. And I think that's an important distinction. The Holy Spirit is not saying, hey, hey, you need me. No, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let me point you to the person that you need. You need the person, Jesus Christ. He continually is directing people to Jesus. He is not continually directing people to himself. We'll touch on that in just a little bit as we work our way through this passage. Okay, so his ministry to the lost is to bring them to Jesus Christ. I might also say that no sinner ever just decided to come to Christ. No lost person ever just says, you know, I think I need Christ apart from the reproving work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing that work of convincing you need Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes to do this reproving, this convincing work. Well, the Holy Spirit's come, let's break that down just a little bit further. He's come to do a work of convincing us of our sin. Convincing of sin, and that would be ours, okay. Not just generic sin. He doesn't just say, you know, the world is a sinful place. He's not come to do that. He's come to convince us of our sin. The primary sin for which all of us must be convinced is, is first and foremost the sin of unbelief. Well, what does the Bible say? Verse number 9, John chapter 16, of sin because they believe not on me. The Holy Spirit is doing this convincing work, reproving Jesus Christ. And you know, the great sin that we have in light of the proof of Christ as Messiah is I am choosing not to believe in him. The Holy Spirit is certainly going to convince us of sin. Whenever I disregard Jesus, I have opened my world of sinful possibilities to an unending list of sin. In Romans chapter 1, um, the Apostle Paul helps us understand what's this person like who continually rejects the reality of Christ. Um, John, uh, Romans chapter 3, look down at verse number 10. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, they're, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God in their eyes. Wow. Let me ask you, what does this person described in this passage need? They need a Holy Spirit who is convincing them of their need. And if you are a person here who has already come to Christ, what the Holy Spirit did is he convinced you of who you are and the great need that was yours to believe in Jesus. So what is he convincing us of? Well, he is convincing us of sin, and that is ours. But he goes on, he's convincing us of righteousness. He's convincing us of righteousness, and that is Christ's, the righteousness of Christ. So I know now who I am, and I also now, through the Holy Spirit, know who he is. Notice what the scripture says again, John 16, verse number 10. 
of righteousness, Jesus speaking, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. What convincing work is he doing? Well, okay, first of all, of sin, because ye believe not on me. And then he says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Well, first of all, I have to understand my utter sinfulness, just as I must, as I must understand Christ's utter righteousness. I am absolutely sinful. He, Jesus, is absolutely righteous. Just as there is no good thing found in me, there is no spot nor blemish found in Christ. He is altogether lovely. And the Holy Spirit coming and convincing me, I'm a sinner. I, I am completely removed from the holiness of God. Jesus is not that. Jesus is altogether lovely. He is the absolute sinless righteous one. So now he's convincing me of of my sinfulness, convincing me of Christ's righteousness. The phrase also is an interesting phrase in that verse. He says, because I go to my father and ye see me no more. Well, it does a couple things. First of all, it gives evidence of his righteousness. Who else has the opportunity to go to the presence of the father? Well, he can because he is the same, equal with God, absolutely righteous. So uh, uh, I'm convincing you of sin, of righteousness, because I go to my Father. And then he's also doing something else. Holy Spirit, you're going to continue the work that Jesus began because we'll see him no more. If you and I spent time in the presence of Jesus, we would be convinced that he is righteous. We would be convinced in his presence. Now, whether we accept this or not, that's up to you. That's up to me. But we would be convinced like, oh, um, like Peter said, Peter says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He was convinced. He knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was. But now Jesus said, okay, of righteousness because I go to my father. So he's going to convince you of who I am. And he's also going to convince you of my righteousness because you're not going to see me anymore. So we need one here that continues on the work of convincing. So he also does one other thing that we're going to mention here, and that is the Holy Spirit comes to do a work of convincing us of judgment, and that is judgment to come. Okay, so of sin, mine, righteousness, Jesus, judgment to come for all who are not found complete in him. John 16, verse number 11 of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Okay, Satan, the prince, the power of the air. Do you remember what Jesus called the father of the Pharisees? He says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the works of your father ye will do. Wow, talk about direct language. Jesus puts it right out there, telling them this is who's, who is your father. Okay, so Jesus says the prince of this world is judged. I read, I read one commentary that, that put it beautifully. I, I don't have the words to read it to you, but so powerfully said. He said, it's as if the serpent had bitten the heel of Jesus on the cross. And even as Jesus cries, it is finished. He can feel the serpent, can feel the weight of the heel begin to crush his very head. 
the prince of this world is judged. If the prince of the world is judged, what happens to all his subjects? You see, if the one who leads the rebellion against God is already the defeated foe, what happens to all those who follow after him? The Holy Spirit's coming to do a work of convincing. He's convincing us, me, of my sin. He convinces us of Christ's righteousness, and he convinces us of judgment to come. In Matthew 25, verse number 41, the Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, speaking of judgment, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible is very specific about the reality of a literal place of judgment. The Holy Spirit's coming to say, hey, I'm convincing you. I'm telling you there is irrefutable proof. There is judgment that is coming. The Bible says in Revelation 21 verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving, isn't that an interesting choice of words? Because you believe not on me, Jesus said, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The world's judgments are erroneous. In other words, the way that the world judges things are, are not accurate. The height of the world's horrendous judgment came when they crucified the Prince of Life. The world's judgments, however, cannot be trusted. But God's judgment is sure. And the Holy Spirit comes and he convinces the world, listen, I'm a sinner, Christ is righteous, and all who reject him are judged. God's judgment is sure, Romans 2, 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. The judgment is so certain that God brings our own words to bear on our own judgment. I find this interesting. This is a sure judgment, and God says, okay, let's allow you to take part in your own judgment. Notice what Scripture says, Matthew 12, 30, uh, Matthew 12 verse, number 30, um, verse number 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. L look at how our words are used both for and against us. Words like, hey, I've always been a Christian. Well, that's not accurate. Well, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? I just don't believe that's possible. Ooh, wow. Those, those words are words that will be used against uh, well, well, I don't believe, I believe my works are sufficient to get me to God. Again, by our words, we are ourselves judged. I think it's why words like Romans 10, 9 are so important. That if thou shalt confess, that means to agree with God, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, with words, like Jesus, I, I agree with you. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, believe in thine heart God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on, for with the heart man believeth unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Well, again, all of this has to do with the reproving work of the Holy Spirit. But let's go a little bit further and then we'll wrap up these thoughts. John chapter 15, if you back up a chapter, John 15 verse number 26 starts to talk about the revealing work of the Holy Spirit. Not just the reproving, but the revealing work of the Holy Spirit. Here the Bible says, but when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. Now notice these words. Jesus is setting the the table for what he's going to explain more of later on. The Bible says here, he shall testify of me. He, Jesus, shall testify. He's going to give testimony. He's going to, it's like the witness on the stand. It's as if they they place their hand on the Bible and swear that what I'm going to tell you is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is going to come. And here's the testimony. It's going to be a testimony, Jesus saying, of me. Okay, in this passage, we start to understand the very clear purpose of the Holy Spirit as stated by Jesus. He shall testify of me. He is going to reveal Jesus as the Messiah. Now, we won't read all, again, the the scriptures, review it. But if your Bibles are open, go back to John chapter 16. Remember, John 15, he shall testify of me. Now we get to John chapter 16. Notice again what Jesus reiterates about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse number 14. In fact, I don't have the words on the, on the screen for you. But if you back up a verse, look at verse number 13 if your Bible's open. Let me read it for us. Howbeit when he, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of truth is come. He's going to tell you the truth. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Listen, if you mark or underline things in your Bible, that's a helpful little phrase to underline in your Bible. He shall not speak of himself. How many of you have ever been in a setting before or had some theological uh, discussion regarding the person and work of Jesus Christ where people asked, have you ever um, demonstrated the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit in supernatural means? And if you haven't demonstrated the person of the Holy Spirit through salvation, through some supernatural means, then, then you are truly not saved because the Holy Spirit is going to... Do you know what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit? He's saying the Holy Spirit is not over here saying, hey, everybody, pay attention to me. Hey, hey, I'm here, everybody. I have arrived. The Holy Spirit is in the house. What the Holy Spirit is doing is continually pointing people to Jesus Christ. Now look at the next verse in the passage. John chapter 16, and now look at verse number, um, verse number, uh, verse number 14. He shall glorify me. Remember verse 13, he shall not speak of himself. Verse 14, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? The work of the Holy Spirit is continually saying, listen, I'm not trying to to make myself the center of attention. I am trying to point people to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit keeps trying to lift up, magnify, glorify, give other people the right opinion of the person 
and the work of Jesus Christ. The word spirit that we see throughout Scripture, in fact, um, the word that, that, um, that we see written every time we refer to the Holy Spirit, it's the word pneumos, pneuma. Um, sometimes we talk about, maybe you've heard of pneumatic tools, pneumatic tools. Um, if, a, uh, if a person is changing the tire on your car at a shop, they usually get out a wrench that's a pneumatic wrench. It's an air-powered, wind-powered tool. And they stick it on there and it just, man, it rips off that lug nut quickly. A pneumatic tool. You could say it's a spirit tool. You say, well, well where do you get that from? Well, the word pneumos, it means spirit. It means wind. It carries this idea of, oh, this is an unseen, although undeniable work. Okay, I don't know where you were yesterday, but um, I was in my study at home. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm at my computer. And all of a sudden, a, a, a storm, a cell came through, at least at my house, and it was intense. It was one of those, like, there, there were children flying by my window. I mean, I'm looking out there, and it happened so fast. I just couldn't believe how quickly this cell came through. And, and I'm sitting there, and, and um, man, I'm, I'm actually on a FaceTime at that time with a family member, and I'm talking, and, and, um, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm looking out the window. I'm like, man, I pick up my computer, and I say, you got to see this, and I'm holding it to the window, and, and it was so intense. Now, I could see the rain. I could see lots of debris flying by, and the children, of course. <laughs> so I see all of this just whoom, flying by. But I can't see the wind. I, I know that. I can just see the reality of it. Sometimes we even say, wow, did you see the wind? Well, the answer is no. All right. But do we see the reality of? Do we see the results of? And, and then the answer is like, whoa, powerfully. Th this is the idea behind the spirit. Th the purpose. What he came to do to in undeniable ways show his working to point people to magnify the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now you think about this person, it's, it's, or this, this purpose, it's all good and fine. But as a spirit, the Holy Spirit, he does need some instrument. And forgive even the word, it feels funny coming out of my mouth. Like he does need I know God doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. But God the Holy Spirit does choose to use instruments to advance his work. So on the platform, since we're, it's kind of an orchestra day today, all right? Um, but we're not talking about the drums today. Let's see. Um, we have, um, there's a saxophone back there, right? Okay, so hey, why don't you stand up with your saxophone? And... Um, I know it's kind of dark back there. Is there anybody in the, the world of lighting that can turn on lights in the, in the orchestra area? Apparently not. Okay, so, um, so um, come on, step up here, because it's brighter up here. And, um, and then, um, yeah, just work your way around. You can stand on the director's stand. Yeah. It's really cool up there. Yeah. Okay, tell us your name. Luke. Luke. Okay, Luke. That's a good Bible name. Okay, Luke. 
Um, so go ahead and play your instrument without your breath, okay? Without your breath. We got to do something with those thingamajiggers, yeah. What are you playing? I'm uh, playing my favorite notes. P- playing your favorite notes, okay. Do it again because that was really good. I love the saxophone, don't you? And you're good. You got some style going. Now, really, really play it without using your breath. Really, because you got to do so with a saxophone. Oh, yeah. There we got the saxophone going. Okay. Um, now, I know we're being a, a little childish and a little silly, but, but do you get the point? Like, like the spirit... The breath takes an instrument, and then he's supposed to, to make something of it. So just, Luke, just, I don't know, play something. Oh, there we go, Luke. That is good, my friend. You know the, the oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so you get this breath that takes an instrument and it produces something. Um, by the way, and the sound then is equal to the instrument. It's, it's unique and specific to the instrument. What God the Holy Spirit wants to do, I believe, is not only a reproving work, convincing us of sin, of righteousness, of, and of judgment, but he also wants to do a revealing work. Who did he come to continually reveal? The Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus Christ. And what does he use to reveal the person and work of Jesus Christ? He uses people just like you. He uses people just like me. Instruments that are surrendered to his filling, his breathing, so to speak. And then his revealing Wouldn't it be, at least for me, there's something that's meaningful to me. If someone comes to me and says, hey, you remind me of your dad, that's meaningful to me. I don't have a perfect dad, but I have a dad that I'm deeply grateful for. And if something in my life reminds someone else of him, that's high praise. And you know, if someone comes to you and someone comes to me and they say, you know, You remind me of someone. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is he is so working and filling and breathing through you that in you they see the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is accomplishing his intended purpose of not only reproving but revealing the person of Jesus May we, by the light of God within us, show our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven.